we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. We want them talking trash to Goliath. We want them building a boat and collecting animals. Everybody thinks they're crazy, and they are. I'm your huckleberry. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Behold, a pale horse. The man who sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. Can you read, my son? Well, that depends. Can you go fight in the shade? Repent or perish. You know your places. God be with you all. All for all and one for one, then, I guess. Stone Mountain Media. Ale to the King. This is Dave, and you are here for another episode of Stone Mountain Media. Tonight, joining me is your favorite dose of sweetness, the sugar himself, Sean. Say hey, Sean. Hey, Dave. Good to be here. And we are here with the one, the only, the top quarterback in all of California, (laughs) the Ronald Dog Renfro. How you doing, Ron Dog? Good. Thank you for having me with you guys tonight. So, uh, Ron, you don't know. Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I feel 20 years older already. It's great. Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie. Dinner's ready. <laughs> Ronnie doesn't know the topic tonight. Hey, can I say something real quick before we get into the topic? Uh, yeah. Uh, how cool, you know, we came over to do a podcast with Ronnie at his house. Yeah. And got to have dinner before, but... You know, doing it at Ronnie's house means we get to be a part of family worship before the end of the night. So we're getting to sing psalms and hymns together, getting to hear Ronnie's beautiful little girls recite massive chunks of the Baptist catechism. Pretty amazing. Yeah, they know more catechism questions than I did about yeah. two years ago. So <laughs> yeah, it's no, really it's, embarrassing. It's amazing. It was a <laughs> anyway, great night. Amen. Amen. Uh, goals to shoot for. T- I, I do appreciate uh, being able to come to dinner at a pastor's home and see a model of what I want to build and put in place. That's how it's designed to be. So yeah. thanks for being a model for me. Yeah. No, I've ever since we've um, really put that into practice, you know, my wife and I, uh, we, we, when we started marriage, we always talked about how uh, I would wash her in the word and we'd try to do, you know, studies and uh, depending on my work schedule, sometimes it wasn't consistent. Uh, that welcome La Mesa, (laughs) (laughs) wonderful musical La Mesa. And, um, and, and it was funny, there wasn't much consistency there. Uh, And then kind of family worship has, uh, brought a consistency to that, that, you know, time of washing her with the word. And I remember when we really first started it, she would hear of some other things that, you know, people are, are doing for studies together, reading books together. And he's like, babe, I just you know, I want to do that. I want to get into the word together. And it's like, babe, we're in the word every night. And so it took even a while to just realize that family worship is as much about me being sanctified as it is about her being sanctified. It's not just geared to the children. It is a family event and the children are a part of it from when they're born to when they 
you know. This is not the topic for tonight, but I was going to church with a with a friend at his CREC church, and they have a pretty robust uh, spelled out liturgy that is heavy on congregational involvement. And looking at the flow of it, they they outline it out in your bulletin, and it's a really good structure for family worship. And I, I appreciate. Uh, the church, even in how it is going to heaven together on Sundays, is preparing the families to do what you're doing in the home. And so, good goal and, for yeah, Sunday. Yeah, and it's that same thing, you know, you think about it on Sunday. You know, Dave, you and I even this week were working on a liturgy for when we get up to Idaho. And, you know, church in general is this very structured thing, but centered around these means of grace from God. So it's not about these uh hyper spiritual experiences Sunday every you know week in and week out but it's it is you know going to the heavenly mount zion yep. worshiping together and being fed regularly and just growing in that even when you're not uh feeling like you're growing and you know I think that kind of points to Ronnie for you and and you know, things your wife has been feeling she hears these other things going on but you guys have that regular rhythm mm-hmm. day in day out and the fruit of that is going to be immense I mean you even yeah. Uh, Skype in, you know, is it Danielle's mom? Danielle's grandma. Uh-huh. Danielle's grandma. Yeah. She looks great <laughs> yes. for being oh, yeah. Danielle's grandma. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh-huh. she's going to be very a part great of that. She's my yeah. Valentine's mom. But you're <laughs> able to, you know, you're able to wash her in the word. She, and not only that, but she's able to see her great granddaughters you know, yep. singing psalms and hymns to Jesus. Mm. It's it's a glorious thing. So. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, and grandma, you know, I was telling you guys earlier, she, she grew up in the Catholic church. Uh, and, and, and it has been amazing just catechizing my children and the overflow of that grace spilling, uh, uh, you know, uh, to her, uh, has been amazing. Cause she's just reciting catechism questions. And so it's almost like re-catechizing her right. without her knowing it. And then realizing in the end, she was just like, Oh, well I did give up salvation by works <laughs> like, yeah. as you're going through Ephesians. And, you know, so it's been, it's been a sweet time. And, I think one of the things, too, is I, I love about family worship is it is, you know, with the, the Lord's Day being the, the day where we ascend the hill into the heavenly Mount Zion. And uh, and it's kind of the, the training grounds for the ascension. And so yeah. it's just working them out, you know, even in something as practical as being quiet while the word is being preached. So, you know, that is. I don't so- appreciate you calling me out like that in the, in the podcast. <laughs> Looking dead in my eye, and kind of, even like being quiet, kind of, the pa- kind of passive preached. aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, being it, quiet. No, I, I, and I. It's uh, it's funny too with um, Piper and Vera. You know, uh, they'll they'll see some other you know methodologies of doing family worship, and I'm not going to talk bad about any of them. But it's some people will ask me why I. I haven't just gone to a, a storybook Bible. Why I, I'm in the, the Word, and uh, and the reality is for me. What do you use the Bible in your family worship? What do you use the Bible, Pastor Ronnie? Why use the Bible? That is actually how it sounds like sometimes. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk bad about any of these people, but you know, some of them ask Listen, a question. Why do you like the Bible? Finger, yeah. compare, you know, comparing <laughs> reading the Word of God to my children between to finger painting is just not. <laughs> well, no, but there. I mean, finger there is this, painting. There is this reality where sometimes I'm reading and I'll teach from it, 
and and Danielle will look at me like they don't understand a word you're saying. And it's like, yeah, you think what when they're you know sitting under a fifty minute sermon that they're grabbing every single bit of it. But what I want them to do is be attentive to it. I want them. It's amazing how much they do. They can recall. You'll ask them a oh, question 100%. about a previous lesson you gave. You know, I was there for your first Ephesians lesson, and you asked them recap questions from Philippians, and they could answer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you have to review a lot, but they're kids. Exactly. So, and it's also the Word of God. There's nothing else you can read to them that's going to work on their heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you know totally. I mean? And so it's like it's kind of funny. It's like that's you'd much rather be in a place where your children don't remember a day. You know, things will start to click potentially mm-hmm. down the line, but you don't want them to remember a day where it wasn't just centered on the word. Yeah. Yeah, amen. Okay, I'm going to transition here Get sharply. It. Send it. I'm going to I'm going to make an assertion and I want you guys to interact with the assertion, okay? <clears throat> there is no such thing as a sacred and secular divide. So in the world there's no such thing as sacred versus secular there is there not all things are sacred there is distinction there's a category that's not sacred but it's not sacred secular it's sacred versus sacrilege it's sacred versus satanism i'm going to leave it that broad interact with that yeah i mean i i 100 agree with that we've talked True. we've talked on the podcast in the past about uh, various belief systems and and the fact that there's no neutrality when it comes to uh, any human's relationship to the one triune God and uh, the same yeah that, so that applies across the board everything we do as Christians ought to be worship because uh, you know we can't have we can't have worship on the Lord's day and have this time set aside to God and then act as if God doesn't care about you know, the rest of what we do. Um, yep. God has made all things and he commands us to, to worshiping him in all things, whether we're eating or drinking, we do all things yep. to the glory of God. And so if we're doing all things to the glory of God, that means, uh, there's a particular way to do every single thing we do. And God cares about all of it and we ought to do all of it unto him. Yeah. I mean, even the, the first three questions of the catechism that Bryn, you know, already knows and, and how old's Bryn now? Uh, like 20 months, almost, like almost two years. Yeah. yeah it's uh, who made you? God made me, you know, what else did God make? God made all things. And then the important question, why sometimes we st- state these truths without saying the why. And I love the catechism because it'll take a couple questions to develop the thought and then give you the why. Well, why did God make you in all things for his own glory? And, um, why? And then I love the next one. Why should you glorify God? Cause he's God. <laughs> so uh, if there is this um, this reality that there is a God and God is the creator, then by virtue of that statement alone, he demands the worship uh, and, and, the, and the glory um, for all the things that he has made. Yeah. And, and so it's not like I could point to that tree or that house and say that exists in a kingdom that's outside of his kingdom. Yep. Yeah, his kingdom is over all things. Yeah. In him, all things are held together. They have their being. And so... Yeah, and so how could... If that's the dynamic, how could there be anything that's apart from, uh, you know, his commands and where he's where he is due worship? Exactly. So, Ronnie, you are a musical guy. Sean's a musical guy. I'm a guy. 
<laughs> though it's uh, debatable. Uh, so we're we're in agreement that there is sacred and sacrilege, not sacred and secular. If we're thinking about music, and and music broadly, mm-hmm. uh, what then would make music Christian music? versus not Christian music if we're in agreement that there's not this thing called sacred and secular. that And, and if we... Uh, maybe you'd want to use sacred interchangeably with Christian. But what would make, a, what would make music Christian music? Yeah. Interact. No, I, th- I think it's a good question. I, and I, I think at one step, you would have to define what is music right Ooh. so <laughs> oh uh, what is is <laughs> what is is so asked bill clinton one day <laughs> <laughs> well and there there was always there were, you know especially in like the 13th and 14th century um i thought exactly oh <laughs> well, let me sip my lefroig while we consider the 13th century well it, and it's funny everybody thinks that okay like right now we're uh, in a, a season of the church where it's, uh, you know, modern uh, worship versus hymns, you know, and uh-huh. whatsoever. That is a, it's a big concept. And, and they act like that's a relatively new thing. Uh, but the reality is there's always been tradition versus what's happening now. And, and in the 13th and 14th century, it actually was a little bit more intrinsic upon what the word music means. So when I say this is godly music, it does that mean uh, lyrics or no lyrics? You know, does that mean? Uh, and so it's the idea of when we talk about Christian music, are, are instruments more important or or lyrics more important? Right. And that was like the big debate in the 13th and 14th century in the church. And I think even one of the things that you'll see uh, between uh, Luther and Calvin is Calvin kind of joining the uh the the lyrics are the more important thing and then you'll hear luther he was a he's a big music guy actually uh and so he's a big guy actually (laughs) and so so i think when when i say music um i i do not believe that there is a set of um melodies uh harmonies uh uh, instruments accompanied together uh, in in rhythms that are uh, sacrilege. So, um, and and I'm I'm not yet speaking specifically about congregational churchly acts. Yeah, yeah. You know, just yeah, yeah. I'm thinking yeah, yeah. So you you'd mean like from <clears throat> arrangements that would you know belong to a genre of a hip hop, a hippity hip hop. Yeah. To death metal. To country, to classical, mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and even like when we think of a, a lot of uh, the hymns and the melodies that we sing, they're they're still Western melodies. So like you can go to like um, Hungary uh, or even you know um, Asia and the uh, the melodic structure of how they uh create a melody is vastly different to the way that we do and so when we think of do you think that's um 
just a matter of what is, or do you think there's value assigned to that difference? So, uh, hypothesis. Sure. The difference in how melodies are thought of is a product of the fact that the West has been in the crockpot of Christendom for many a year in a way that the East has not. And so you can have quote-unquote good music in India that does not sound like good music melodically according to any genre in America. What do you think about that hypothesis? Well, I think music is so much about, or what sounds good to you is what sounds, I think musically is what just sounds safe. What, like, what do I want? So, right, people that, um, let's say you're, it's summer, you're going to go sit by the pool, you're going to go relax, what are you going to put on? Your your favorite melody, and that, and or your favorite music, right? And so, uh, and, and that favorite music is going to have a melodic structure to it that might be different than, say, jazz or heavy metal, but then even that is vastly different than someone on the other side of the world would sit down at their pool and say this is you know, safe. This is good. So you're not saying one's better than the other? Well, I would say that one's better than the other, but the reason I would say that is because that's what's been handed down to me. So I I feel like I could grow up in uh, a a culture where half or quarter steps are normal to me. So we know like a a half step melodically, just think of Jaws, like da-da, da-da. And so our music is structured in half steps and whole steps. But some cultures, there'd be a quarter step. Uh, and, and we, if I asked any singer, and even college singers, like, hey, sing me a quarter step. It's, it's nearly impossible for them to even think that because it's never been handed down mm-hmm. to them. So they can't even grasp that there is some musical interval between what they've accepted as the smallest interv- musical inter- interval that they know. Hmm. And so um, so for me, I, I've just... And, and music is just all about frequencies. So it's not even that there's even a quarter step. There, there are a ton of frequency intervals between each one. And when you're talking about like some of like the best jazz musicians or people who will tune their instruments differently... And so you could tune your instrument differently to sound like more joyful or less joyful. And so the the reality is, is the way we come to music has been what's handed down to us and what's handed down to us feels safe. It feels comfortable. It feels so. And that's what we usually attach the word good to. And that's usually what we attach the word right to. Okay. Let me uh, but in. to say that you know, this note has a moral significance and this one doesn't is a step that I don't know if, uh, if I uh, am comfortable saying yes to. So let's explore that idea a little bit. Uh, The music we like, we appreciate, Mm -hmm. we resonate with, is music that's passed down to us in some form, you know, some some way or another. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's passed down to us in a cultural context. Yeah. Now, uh, what do you think about the concept of 
culture being religion externalized or, or religion because I mean, re- religion is externalized necessarily. So culture is religion. Yep. It, you know, it's, it's a set of religious convictions and then religious practices in light of those convictions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, then not all, all cultures are the same. Mm-hmm. Not all cultures are going to have the same, uh, covenantal peace with beauty. Right. So, uh, then it would, it would seem to follow. And I'm, I'm really not a musical guy. So you, you yeah. went to territory that is a fun place for me to go. Cause it's new for me, but, uh, it would seem to be a safe assertion that some cultures are going to understand musical musical beauty better than others and Certainly. pass down music that is a better uh, declaration, celebration of real beauty than, than others. And so while some guy on the other side of the world might resonate love, one, you know, frequency set, melody, mm-hmm. what have you, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't mean that it's not inferior. Yeah. So, for example, keeping in the West, you know, because I wouldn't even know how to analyze the <laughs> of India. <laughs> this music in India. Uh, I got a lot of friends in India. Shout out to y'all. I love you. I hate your music. Uh, but, you know, if you think of as an aside, right, it's uh, Black History Month. Shout out to my brothers. See you on the street. Keep doing your thing. Daniel Cormier is a UFC commentator, announcer, uh, former UFC fighter. DC? Yeah, Daniel Cormier. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. And uh, he was talking about how he, he, he was celebrated along with Jim Brown as, as black commentators. And he was saying that um, not just blacks, but... Every race should celebrate its accomplishments and celebrate its being, which I appreciated because as a white man, I do appreciate all the accomplishments of whiteness in the world. So I, I want to just honor, you know, uh, Beethoven as not just a great musician, but a great white musician uh, and a great testament to the glories of whiteness. Uh, but if you take Beethoven and compare him to what he produced melodically to, uh, to let's say some, uh, f- frequency composition of, of, that would belong to hip hop. Mm-hmm. Would you say superior understanding of beauty and, or superior understanding of glory, of majesty or different, a different, uh, angle at looking at beauty? How would you go about analyzing that? So I think, okay, it's a big question. It's a long question, but okay. So here, it's a long winded question, brother. When we're talking about music and music passing along, we're talking about education, right? And when we're talking about, uh, the musician, we're talking about work. So, uh, music is art when I'm the one appreciating another man's work. Right. So, um, so I'm going to approach the question, uh, one, enculturating, uh, 
a people with music education. Um, and so, so we are to raise our children in the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, the paideia of the Lord. The word paideia means in, enculturation, right? So I, I need to, uh, with my children, uh, I need to teach them how to be citizens of the kingdom of God. So since they're covenant I, children, yeah. yeah. Wow, Ronnie, Boom. <laughs> teach them how to be citizens. I love it. Dude, family worship. Dude. Ronnie looks at his daughter and says, "So you and look at Sean's daughter, and she's your sister, even though you have different mommies." Ephesians, Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, Ephesians. We're there. They, hey, I, I had to, I, Ephesians. You're predestined to yeah. be adopted as sons, and so Ephesians gets the into predestination of the adoption. Yeah. Is is one where I could look at my my children and say, ah, that's you're in, you're in. So, it's um, and uh, yeah, well, enculturation, education. Yeah, enculturation, education. You got to be really sharp because I'm going to derail you repeatedly. I'm not going to apologize for it. You just have to be ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we go. So enculturation, we're teaching them to be citizens of the kingdom of God, and and that is a an all of life thing. So uh, even the, the classical trivium, you have, um, you know, grammar, logic, uh, and then rhetoric. And I think that you can have the, the biblical synonyms-ish around that, which would be like knowledge. Uh, so here are a bunch of facts. That's kind of what you learn in, in grammar. These are facts. So uh, geometry uh, has grammar. Geography has grammar. We have states and cities. So they're, they're, they're little individual elements. That's grammar elements of a whole sentence mm-hmm. put together everything has elements so when we're we're teaching our children these are elements so music has grammar and so we're going to teach those children music and then when you uh bring understanding which is the logic level uh the didactic level you're you're saying this is good and this is bad right this is uh this is uh beautiful and that's that's ugly, and so that's kind of what. I, if I were to say, there's a biblical, you know, um, synonym of a word. You have knowledge. That's facts. Understanding. That's the logical component. These facts are good versus bad, righteous versus unrighteous. All of that, and then the the very final piece of that educational component is the rhetoric. How do I take these facts that I've properly uh, put into the right categories? And how do I communicate the beauty of each of those categories to the next person? And so what I want to do with Piper is I want her to look at the variety of the, the grammar of music to diagnose what is good and what is, uh, what is ugly. And I realize that has a cultural undertone to it, right? Um, and, and, but part of culture, and culture is... Like when you're driving culture, you're basically uh, working from uh, that that educational framework. And so I'm gonna teach her that these these musical intervals, these melodies, these leading tones, these blah blah blah, are good versus bad. And I realize that I've done that from what I've learned, uh, or from what I come to recognize as beautiful, and then I'm going to teach her to communicate those same things. So to take that musical understanding, 
uh, and, and proceed forward from that. And so she learns to communicate that same build. So when you're talking about enculturation, it does, uh, there does, it does make sense that particular cultures have taken the grammar of music as they understand it, have uh, logically delineated those into their categories and have begun to communicate those categories uh, alike. So uh, I do, th- and, and that's why when we're talking about raising our children in the, the paideia of the Lord, it's much more than just history. It's much more than mathematics and any good classical education for, I mean, in fact, even the, even the, um, so you have the trivium, then you have the quadrivium and music is a part actually of the classical framework given to, yeah. uh, to children. And, um, and so there, there is that component and that component does actually cause cultures to have music that's well-shaped and differentiated. So that is that, um, component to it. Now, when we're looking at the musician, uh, a musician is somebody that's going to look at um, the God-given characteristics that they possess, and they're going to work for the glory of God with all of their heart and all of their soul. And so I believe that, you know, a Christian construction worker may, you know, hammer a a, a nail in in the same way that some of his contemporaries uh, do at first, but only at first, because I believe that a well-enculturated Christian carpenter, as you see his uh, craft continue through his life, that it will be better. Uh, I do believe that a good moral practice for business will create better carpenters. I believe that uh, a Christian work ethic that's well-framed will create better structures. Uh, and so, according to the, the According to the Smithsonian, what you just said is very white-privileged. Just to let you know, in case you were wondering. No, I I think a Christian black man is going to produce better music. Nope he would he would cease to be black if he cared about the Protestant work ethic. He would become white, according to the Smithsonian. Yeah. To be truly black, you have to be lazy, according to the Smithsonian. Well, book of tea. J.C. Ryle would say <laughs> that that man's just fallen to the the one of the four core uh, issues of young men which is slothfulness so we would say no uh but i think okay so i so when i look at a christian brother i do believe that a christian brother will make better music uh in 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 the way that they approach their 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 craft uh and uh in and, and I think in a in a world where he's been enculturated well by by his father, right, by his um, by his family, and then I think the um, so that's that's the worker, that's how the music is made, and then you have the people that are appreciating it as art, uh, and the people who appreciate art uh, are satisfied by uh, by good quality craft because they know where the craft uh where all things originated from and so it's like i i believe that a christian can love scotch uh love beer love a cigar love a melody far more uh than a non-christian can because of the worldview with which they appreciate 
art. So you have music from the way it's enculturated in culture that I think is going to, uh, to drive a, a better framework uh, for music. Uh, I think um, the, the makers of music will produce better music. And I think the, um, the people who behold that music will uh, behold it in a much deeper and satisfying way. But, so go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. So with that, you know, because you started with a point that I think is true. Different cultures are going to consider different things as beautiful. Yep. Based on what they were raised with and what they consider what they consider to be beautiful. And but now what I'm hearing, and I like it. I don't disagree with it. Uh, but it sounds like what you're saying is there's an objectivity to beauty, and that objectivity will be um, manifested more in a Christian individual and therefore in a Christian culture. Uh, so I cut you off a little bit, so feel free to finish your point. But my thought at that point, if you, if you have a follow-up to it would be, my question would be, you know, is, do you feel like you're able to put your, your finger on where that objective beauty is, how you, how you see that in Christian music versus, uh, music from a, a culture that's, let's say, you know, Muslim or Buddhist, something like that. Yeah. And, so that, and that Christian is, civilization, because like, we haven't gotten into it, but like, uh, not Christian as in this is the Christian radio station. You know, theoretically, you can hear sacred slash Christian music on a country music station, and also satanic music that's not of proper Christian civilization on the same radio station. Yeah, there's a there's that's, a that's, yeah there's a there. yeah there's that's a yeah. yeah there's yeah. I'll, I'll save it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the question is, um, so I wanted to develop the framework by which we answered the fundamental question. Sure. It, so, uh, because I think we all now would agree that, yes, I think a, 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 a Christian given to a godly work ethic with godly principles will create better music. And the beholder will behold the beauty of that music in a more profound way. And the combination of the builder and the beholder will enculturate, you know, their, their children to appreciate music. And that music will be carried forward. And, and, and I think it will be better than what it was. And so yeah. I do believe... Unless it's from the 90s. <laughs> well, yeah. music In a, in a Christian culture, to... Yeah. Y2K would have had better music than 1990. <laughs> 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 but I, I, I'm still an 80s guy, so. Uh, okay. So the, the question, though, uh, is, okay, so we've established that a Christian, Christian culture in duration will have better music and that music will continue to perfect better. So now can we can we look at the cultures that we say now and say we have a christian culture here and a distinctly non-christian culture here the music of that culture has been shaped uh by uh the education uh and and the builders and the enjoyers of that music and uh and therefore it's been perpetuated and then now can we objectively look and say that music is good versus bad. Yeah, um, you throw a rock at a random pond in the south, and you'll find, even if not regenerate hearts, you'll find yeah. something uh, of a former Christian household in a broad sense 
in a way that you're not if you throw a rock through a broken window in Detroit. So I'm just saying, I'm affirming, yes, you can do that, even in America. Yeah, but but see, so that's so that's the issue that uh, it's hard for me. Um, So I feel like I can do that uh, from the long from a long perspective of two cultures that have enculturated uh, a completely different worldview. And so I could look, I I feel at uh, one culture that's been distinctly pagan and say uh, from, from, from principle. So we can go and say, Hey, this feels safe to me, you know, and say, I like this versus I don't like that. Yeah. Like homosexuality, it feels safe for me, but it doesn't mean it's good. (laughs) But so I, I just want to get rid of the subjectivity layer there because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll listen to something, you know, from uh, from like a Muslim culture and go like, mm, but is that more so it, it's hard for me to uh, at first see if that's well, so uh, like, just a subjective that I don't like. I like the yeah. Western uh, uh, music, the, the scales that we have chosen, the the. The melodic scale that's natural to us, you know, yeah, do re mi fa sol la ti do. That's the scale that yeah. all of our music pretty much is written from. Yeah, like I'm not classy enough to um, really love classical music unless I'm trying to study or yeah, but I be think- particularly meditative or try to go into this like odd stone cold killer zone. Uh, but I, but presuppositionally, I'm saying. For whatever reason, something about classical music is such that it was produced in the West and Jehovah's Beautiful, Allah is but ugly. Not even the external of a butt, but like inside of an infected gangrenous anus, ugly. And so his music is ugly. That's just, like without really knowing music, I'm just like throwing that out there because yeah. I believe that about the gods. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think so. That's the and I'm the, xenophobic. The hard thing with um, just if you have a context, yeah. How am I supposed to filter these comments through uh. the lens of xenophobia? <laughs> so the hard thing with music. So for instance, like we can go to a case study um, with you know uh, Reformation hymns, uh, and uh, and if you look at most hymnals. They'll have like a a number, you know, on the top right of the, the the musical stave, and that number is actually the number of a popular tune that was sung in bars. And so, yeah, I like bars. I even have bars. <laughs> I drop bars. Bars on bars. And so they'll, it's the, that was the extent of it. <laughs> There's there's borrowed melody lines. Yes. From but Western bars are better. No, yeah, no, no, right? Like uh, medieval Europe was Christian civilizationally, so its bars were better. Its bars had melodies that were good enough for Luther in his living room in his church. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. what I'm saying. So what? Well, but then know what I'm saying? So dog. Like, Look at the Gettys. The Gettys will will pull uh, like I don't know if you've listened. Do you listen to a lot of Keith and Kristen Getty? Do I listen to a lot? No. Have I? Yes, I know who they are, and I, yeah. know, I know their music. So they'll they'll pull 
melodies that go outside of a trans uh, uh like a, a traditional western um are you, t- are you saying the Irish don't fall within traditional Western music? <laughs> no, no, no. They'll pull, like, uh, Egyptian uh, melodies, stuff like that. So they, they have a version of Psalm 24 that uh, that doesn't follow a traditional Western melody. Um, and, and I... But why do they do that if, if they have a Western audience? Uh, it just seems like, hey, look at us. We do other things. Because, like, don't you want people to sing? productively whatever you're or are they just wanting people to listen to it uh even if they just want people to listen to it and not sing with them aren't we going shouldn't they know we're going to meditatively consume their music according to our understanding of melody that's going to be western that's a different question though right well, so well, now you're related. talking about congregational singing no 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 no, no. <clears throat> uh i i pulled back because i didn't want to go there yet yeah okay. right because i i wouldn't sing the gettys congregationally but i didn't want to get there yet <laughs> sure so i'm just like uh, cause theoretically there's a category of music that I could listen to talking about the works of God that I'm not going to sing in church. Yeah. Right. Oh, I can listen to that and meditate on it. Theoretically uh-huh. that exists. Right. I, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, and I've been knocking on hip hop, not because I don't think there's ever a place for hip hop, but I, you know, I, I might have a country song that I like by Larry Fleet talking about where I find God. Yeah. Right. But you're not going to And I listen sing. to Shy Lin, right? The Sh- supremacy Shy of God. Lin or Tom Petty or something like that. E- exactly. exactly. But yeah. Those genuinely, you know, from that hip-hop song to this country song, caused me to meditate on the things of God, right? Uh, but they're going to conform to something Western, because I'm not like, ha, ah, la, 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 you know, in my non-Western melody. Uh-huh. What, what, what's the point of doing something non-Western if your audience is Western, other than just be cool? Is there a point? Uh, I mean... It's- so much of uh, being a musician is attempting to be uh, creative okay. with the, the notes that we've been given. And it's like, even like for me, so for instance, one band that would do a Christian melody, or sorry, uh, a Western melody, which we would say is a Christian melody, right? Because Western culture is a Christian culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they'll go and they'll do detune the pianos and all uh-huh. of that stuff to make it so that it's it it shifted just enough, uh, and and I think as um, a beholder of uh, beautiful music that God has given us, I can delight in a Cigaros song, um, it, it in the same way, uh, if not more than if they would have just tuned all of those pianos yeah. and done it. And you could, I think you can make an argument, uh, feel free to disagree, but you can make an argument that with like the Egyptian one, for example. So if we're talking about Psalm 24, we're talking about a literal Psalm, good lyrics taken straight from the word of God, but to, you know, a tune that Westerners aren't used to, uh, but it's still, still like honors like, you know, like music theory and stuff like that. It's not like, uh, yeah. It's not like clashing notes or clashing, you know, melody and harmony. It's like it works together. We're just not used to it, and then it gives you. So it's, it still has a, a beauty in that sense. Yeah. And then it gives you an opportunity. The argument can be made to worship with, you know, Egyptian an Egyptian brother down the line, uh, singing good words yeah. together in a a melody you're not used to, but still has that beauty. My, uh, my only yeah, counter, my only counter to that would be. Uh, 
you know, given all the things that you put on the table there, uh, I, uh, I have no qualms with going to an Egyptian Protestant church, uh-huh. not an Orthodox church in Egypt, but a, a Protestant church right. in Egypt, right, right. singing Psalm 24 with Egyptian brothers. The way uh, they sing and it. yeah, expect it to sound different than, you know, some folksy variety or, you know, some Cantus Christi composition of Psalm 24. I'm, I'm totally fine with that premise. And you're contrasting that to okay. just randomly kind of arbitrarily like... Gettys aren't marketing ri- to Egypt. They're marketing right. to me. Yeah. And I'm not in Egypt. Yeah, I, I, if I'm I, in I, Egypt, I'm going to sing with Egyptians. I thought sure. you were yeah, trying to fair. make a premise that like... Uh, I, I only brought know. that up to say... Because what what I'm establishing there is, or at least putting forward, is that there could be an objective beauty there yep. that's legitimately beautiful, and I think you're, I, I totally, I'm totally fine with that caveat of seating it in their culture. Yeah, um, I would, I would be okay putting out the argument that uh, something that is quote unquote Western has a way better shot at being more glorious and more beautiful, simply because the West is more beautiful. Egypt should be. Yeah. But it got right. it got but consumed then. by by Islam and now it's, you know, an Islamic desert. Right. So uh that's fair. So, so if they're modeling yeah. if they're modeling their Christian music off of the off of, you know, God hating Muslim music. Yeah. It's, then it's gonna objectively just be less beautiful, less glorious. Yeah, like one day, you know, so for example, like Christianity's blowing up in Africa Sub-Saharan Africa in particular, and it's really shallow. It's got a lot of horrible doctrine, but it's moving in a great direction, super encouraging. I mean, one day there's going to be rich beauty there, uh, and it'll catch up to the West in its in its way. Yeah, but I don't, see, and that's the thing. But it, so the idea of Western music has shaped. So it's not like Western music. Well, I, I so maybe this is a stronger statement than it should be. Make I, it, I, make yeah, it. I don't believe Western music was in the Garden of Eden, and then all of a sudden it was like we've realized the music that was in Eden. So the, sure, that's right because they were like Christianity encountered Anglo-Saxon people. It, it encountered the Saxons and then did something there, right? Yeah, they well, didn't. It didn't obliviate. Uh, it, it didn't completely remove. Saxonness, it baptized it exactly right. So, so yeah, the, the Zulus the music- get baptized, and now there's going to be something that's not Zulu but baptized Zulu. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in in that so and that's that's what I say when we when we enculturate our children in uh, to be citizens of this kingdom, and and we do it with the grammar of music that we've had, we're going to make better music within the grammatical structure that we have. Now, I do think it's possible for there to be... So, the question is, uh, every tribe, tongue, and nation, uh, where, where, where would you fit culture into that? Heaven's gonna, do you think heaven's going to have one culture? Oh, that's a good question. Uh... Just think, uh, think about it for a yeah, second. I'm going to develop the yeah, thought. I, I, the only way. reason I'm hesitant is because I have for many years been primed to quickly affirm that. Uh, uh, yes, 
Heaven will have uh, many cultures. But I, I've just been a whore to um, yeah. multicultural, pluralistic indoctrinators. Yeah. So yeah, heaven I, has I believe on this earth... So, uh, and, and I, I should say this too. Uh, heaven will have one choir. Heaven will sing well, one. Heaven's there. And then, yeah. then at a later point, you know, we're going to be here again. Right? You know, I'm going to be there and then I'm going to be here. Yeah. And when I'm here... Uh, I expect it to be like it will be here before it's here again. Yeah. Better. Uh-huh. B- before it's here again, better, yeah. it will be here and every nation will be baptized and there will be different cultures. But not every place multicultural, but every place baptized culture. Yeah. That will given the thousands of years of, co- uh, of, of crockpot roasting attained to beauty. The, the reason I'm, I'm part, part is a big F you to people that are sensitive. Uh, but part of why I'm really leaning into but there'll be supremacy of Western there, correct? Not in every place, but in this place, there's diversity in that there's many nations in this place. Yep. They'll all be baptized. Now, the West differently than every other place got baptized and stewed now it's forsake it's apostatized yep but what it produced prior to apostasy in particular we've seen the beauty of the soup exactly but that that is the baptized germans and the baptized franks Mm -hmm. and the baptized scots and the baptized saxons and i don't know what that will do but uh, it's just, it's curious to me, why did the baptized Europeans produce classical music? It's kind of crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. No, no, I hear you. And I, I think, so what I think, um, there can be, there can be like a, um, when, we're, when we're talking about, uh, a culture and and the grammar of music that's available to that culture because of what's been passed down to them. I do think it is possible for a different grammatical structure in music, i.e., quarter steps, uh-huh. to be baptized and to be uh, enculturated uh, and uh, and treasured uh, in in a meaningful way that might be different than what we have right here. Yeah, but better in duration. And how much training will I need to be able to recognize? So, for example, so how I, much training I, will you need to be able to recognize the beauty of it there? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. so, for example, when I think of glory, uh, when I think of a uh, glorified Earth, right? I, I'm I'm going to show this to show my own bias, right? Yeah. I smell. Uh, I smell the water of Rody Creek. The creek that was running on my grandpa's property. I smell uh-huh. rhododendrons. Yeah. I smell the particular earth of that particular part of the Appalachian Mountains. I feel the cool mud of that particular mud. I see those trees. That's what I see, right? Yeah. But when I was in Bandarban, Bangladesh, I'm seeing something wholly different. If we're talking about just landscape. Yeah. But it's very easy to recognize its beauty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very foreign to me. Very different. Swiss Family Robinson kind of thing, right? But easy to recognize beauty. Whereas in India, when I hear the music, uh, you know, uh, 
or it's it's like uh, you know when you see a Bollywood movie, it's like oh good gravy, <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. you know I'm only gonna watch this if a really hot girl wants me to watch it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not watching this. And if this really hot girl is white, I'm going to say no. She has to be a really hot Indian girl, and then I'll watch it. But not because I'm interested in this beauty of the movie. I'm interested in the beauty of the girl. You know what I'm saying? So how much training will I have to be? Will I have to have? How refined do I have to have to recognize God's beauty there in a baptized India? You, you know what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, I think if you went to an Indian church right now, you know, um, no, they just sing I, our songs. <laughs> they yeah. sing our songs. Yeah, you might be right. It's true. No, it's true. <laughs> no, no, but yeah, that's yeah. just because it's that's a newness factor. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's right. a newness. Yeah, yeah. But but even like you right. know how we do like flatness and sharpness, it feels like they just like sit in flatness and they like it. <laughs> but I might just have not a good ear for music. Yeah. No. I, I, Where's uh, the resolution? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is probably just a, an assumptive proposition, but I I assume that it uh when when we have a uh a glorified um heart and mind that that a so it may take some training because i don't think we're going to be perfect you know uh in terms of uh knowledge right we're going to continue to grow in it so i think you're gonna you're gonna there perhaps might be a degree that of appreciation that just continues to grow as you learn more of the facets of it and as more of that's revealed. But I do think that there will be a quick appreciation. Obviously, don't talk over the Harley. <laughs> it's going to, you know, because within the West, there's a great variety of genre and I can recognize beautiful music uh, across those genres. But within, you know, so but you'll grow to bagpipes, classical, yeah. hip hop, you know, country classical rock uh, you know that's about the extent of uh, genres of music in the west <laughs> hey uh, let me ask you this okay so um you talked about music as art yeah okay so to the to a beholder yeah 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 you want the the, the musician is creating art uh-huh yeah right but it's for him it's work so i yeah, think and but, but the same is true for a painter to the work uh, you appreciate it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you appreciate your work so but I, I think the creator is going to appreciate his work in a way that I'll never be able to as a, as a listener. Yeah, David's ability to single-handedly toss, uh, you know, a sleeper sofa into a trailer is art. It's work for him. Yeah. But to watch it is art. Especially in slow-mo. <laughs> but yeah, to you, being able to throw it in there, yeah, you're like, nobody's going to appreciate this as much as I do right now. This is an aside, and then I, I did have a question. But there's a there's like very normal ways to put a sofa into the back of a a truck. There's very normal ways to pass a sofa to a guy who's already in the truck. Very normal ways. I passed a sofa to uh, uh, to this guy Isaiah. Uh, passed the sofa to him. He was in Jake's green Isuzu, mm-hmm. so he's he's higher up than me. Pass him the sofa, and he. Uh, so things that are, you can do it with things that are heavy, but there's a limit. If you put a piece of furniture right in your pelvic crease, you can control a lot of weight. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And I'll let you figure out listener why God designed the male body that way. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but generally speaking, you don't put a couch vertically planted on your pelvic crease. I passed the sofa to Isaiah. He 
uh, if you've ever seen a strong man pick up a, an atlas stone or something like that, he, you, you pick up the weight and get it on your thighs first, and then, you know, shimmy it, shimmy it to wherever you want it. Now he, so he gets this couch to his thighs. He plants the couch in his pelvic crease, and then, with a already full truck. Uh, his back to a lot of stuff, including like sharp things from construction project, suplexes the sofa in the Azuzu. And the only reason is because he's an animal. Yeah, that's that's Isaiah in a nutshell. <laughs> so, uh, okay. I do like the Connor animal that you threw in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can look at a painting and, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest, a lot of paintings I can say, hey, that's really beautiful, but... Uh, it's not really my cup of tea. You know, I, I used to I used to really like to draw, so I can appreciate good drawings. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be bored in a museum after a little bit. Uh, and again, you know, if I'm with a beautiful woman, I can be there longer and be entertained. Or if you have a football and you can throw play catch or something. Exactly, exactly. Now, music is very different for me. Uh, I I can look at a painting. And it doesn't make me um, want to climb a mountain. It doesn't make me want to die. It does, <laughs> well, depending on the painting. But it doesn't <laughs> yeah. make me to die glorious. It doesn't, it doesn't make me want to go sacrifice, you know, to build, to fight, uh, to dance. Oh, there's probably a potential there, depending on the painting. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be like a painting of like William my Wallace. girl. Um, okay. Great. So take the most stirring painting of William Wallace, uh-huh. like before battle, or like the most stirring painting of the Rohirrim before they, they, they tear down into the plains in front of Gondor and attack the orcs. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Genuinely, something I'm interested in. Right. Okay. My cup of tea, not Lipton. Okay. Now, but you take a song, and it does something totally different to me. Uh, music seems to get into my immaterial being in a way that no other form of art does. Yeah. Maybe sure. maybe not Certainly. way is probably imprecise, but degree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is probably a better way of saying yep, it. That's fair. Uh-huh. It it seems to even make me something different. Right, into we'll, yeah. we'll get into a, a, in a subsequent episode we'll get into the didactic nature, the prayerful nature of music, but yeah. broadly at this point, music makes me something more than other art makes me something. And what I wanted to ask you, Ronnie, is why that is. What about music? Literally, it's almost like it creates something immaterially in me. And then also, why does different music uh, fit the uh, order of the moment differently? So, for example... uh, like classical music does something to me and there's going to be times where I want that and I don't want something else. Right. But like, for example, um, if someone says, what song do you want to listen to before a fight? And if it's just uh, a fight, right. I might want a, a hip hop song. I might even want the clean excerpts of a DMX song. Okay, uh, if it's you have to go clear out this wreck of a backyard, uh, 
it is 100% of the time country music, right? Yeah. Same with the drive. Uh -huh. Or, you know, you're, you, you're going to have an afternoon with a pretty girl. Country uh -huh. music, right? Uh, if it's a fight that I'm expecting to die in, right? What's your death song? Then, you know, and I didn't grow up in Scotland, but it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, Scotland the Brave or it's, uh, Sergeant McKenzie, uh, right. It, it's all of a sudden I want this dose of bagpipes and it, it, you know, why, why is that? What's going on there? Well, I think, so one, um, we have been uh, enculturated with more music than we have been with visual art. So uh, in one sense, there is many more neural connections of relatability to, to sound for you, for, for all of us, than there has been to some painting, if you will. Is that for everyone everywhere or just us uniquely? Well, so the, I mean, the great, the great question here would be, does a deaf person uh, uh, have a differing appreciation of a visual piece of art? Well, yeah, but they have an yes, affliction. Yes, but that's because, yeah, that's because of a deficit. Yeah. Yeah, but I, so, but I think. So, yes, that, but. Like, so, I have a different appreciation of a top shelf I think shelf in thing. one sense, it's a. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we were reading this, uh, you know, <laughs> Dave, you're particularly, you know, you're, you're a good sport. You set a good example of being a good sport in our own deficiencies. <laughs> and, uh, I was reading a book earlier today with yeah. Bryn and, uh, this boy is commenting on his tiny hands and tiny fingers. <laughs> it just made me think yeah. of you. No, what, <laughs> yeah. what I was really expecting to go is Bryn is like, Dave, tiny, <laughs> tiny, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, there's a villain in an Indy Wilson book with a terrible, with terrible facial hair, but he is like the devil, and Bryn is listening to the story about the devil, and she says, "Dave." It's really just because of his. It's really just because of his beard, the facial hair. Which is, funny. is that why you shaved it? <laughs> no, no. I don't want to be the vulture. Like, no, I can't do that. It may be more like the vulture. Yeah. <laughs> No, so I mean, uh, the the premise is I, I just think that uh, yeah, even despite the um, the deficiency, there is uh, for him, you know, uh, a a sharpened uh, sense where his focus is on the art and therefore the uh, the neurological recollection that he has. So when we when we talk about sense, no, uh, sensory, I, I, I say like. Uh, if, if I needed to do something brave as a final moment, you yeah. know, you could show me a picture of certain people, a photo yeah. of certain people and it would do something to me. But even then I think music would do something more to me. Uh, as I'm walking to my death, there's a, you know, William Wallace had one of his executioners hold his Psalter before his eyes. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he, he wants song. It, I mean, it, it why is, is that? Ronnie? Yeah, it is true though. But it, I, I mean, in one sense, like there, there is. I, I'm not gonna say that. Uh, like, let's say visual art. Let's take it away from paintings and put it in movies. Like, I can't watch a movie on the battlefield, Ronnie. I, I know, but I'm saying, dude, there, the those do move people. Like, why do you think? So the Democrats. 
it, recently uh, in their second failed w- war, mm-hmm. uh, they, they knew they didn't have anything. They, they knew yeah. they had no chance. Yeah. So they were like, I, we got to go to the one thing that we know is going to stir people's emotions. And look what they went to. They, they grabbed an 11-minute uh, video of randomly pieced together stuff to fit their narrative so they didn't play the, the video you know, all and, through. And to your but point, they, when, I, when I, we, we saw a baby saved through images of murdered babies, but when, when yeah. our opponents uh, want to really throw a wrench in what we're doing, they don't, the gay guys don't run around naked in front of us. Oh, no, and yeah, the girls playing. don't even uh, run around. That's not true. No, no, no. When they want to, yeah, when they I, want to win, when they're heard, on their game. I heard you guys. Guys, got a guys bear have been naked. Girls, <laughs> girls have have been naked, but yeah, that's true. When they're on their game, they don't go to the. Well, the girls do go to nakedness, but the guys go to music, and they're better at it. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. So, so going, in, I, I think, I think I'm not gonna write off visual. Uh, like stimulation as <laughs> that's I mean that's what you're talking about. It's like I want to go into I'm not fight. Off How, what am I going to use for my stimulation? Ronnie. Is it going to be visual or auditory? Yeah. Um, but then the one thing that music has that I think art uh, on on a canvas is that uh, art on a canvas you only perceive it with with sight, but music you uh, it, it's it's frequency. So there is a reality where you hear it and you feel it. And even to the deaf person, they, they won't be able to hear the melody, but they'll be able to sense the frequency. So I remember when I got injured, I went to a school called Brian Christian High School. And we played a school, California school for the deaf. And, uh, and in track, they were bosses. And you're like, well, how, how'd, they, how'd they hear the gun? <laughs> Like, are they all deaf? How'd they know they felt it when to race? And and they didn't use a gun uh, for those races. They got a big bass drum. They put it at the, the start, and they hit the bass drum. And, and the crazy thing is they perceived the frequency far greater, and they just shot off the line, and they were so fast. So they would just constantly just school everybody on the track. But uh, music has that unique... If they were like, deaf, how do they know where to run, though? <laughs> I went to public school. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> My coworker today asked me if I was homeschooled. It's like, no. Nah, I nah. wish. <laughs> so, uh, music does have um, a, a second uh, sensory reality where we we actually feel it, and so there is more communication being given to a person uh, in in terms of raw data uh, for the brain to analyze than an art piece on a wall. And so it's, it's a heavier dose of, of sense. Like what is, what is different music, uh, make me want to do different things because you've been enculturated in music, uh, in a certain way to do it. Uh, You don't think there's anything inherent about particular kind of music that makes it more inherently fitting for demo versus dancing versus killing versus feasting why when you watch ufc do people walk out to so many different songs well i think it's i think it's probably not so much because there's a difference in 
what kind of music stirs certain people, but uh, people have different arousal levels. Sure. So you think about like sports psychology. Yeah, people yeah, have yeah. different arousal levels, and so some people need to be calmed down before a fight because uh, in terms of arousal level, they do yeah, better in terms of focus uh-huh. with, oh, I'm going to have this calm song. It's not because I'm not about to be in a fight, but it's because I'm already, I'm already on level 10, and I actually need to be brought down to level 7 if I'm going to fight well. I'm uh-huh. just going to lose my head in there if, yeah. I'm, if I have like some heavy metal playing right now, yeah. whereas other guys are just personality-wise calm, cool, collected, and they can have that battle song, and all it's doing is ingraining their training into them and, yeah. and, and bringing up that level of intensity that they need to fight with in line with their training. But I think sometimes guys need an objectively calmer song sure. to bring them into a mindset to, to function well and yeah, in that. And so, yeah, I guess the, the question is, uh, why does certain music have an inherently calming effect and other has an inherently charging effect and others, you know. It's probably just because of the way it is. <laughs> yeah, but I want... Yeah. But that same... Talk that to same, me about the way it is. <laughs> that same reality is... How is it the way it is? I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I That same what reality is, is quick in tempo, art. Quick tempo is always going to be uh, bringing more arousal. Slower tempo is going to be calming you down. But you also have that Things in color. Things build on each other. Huh? Like, you, we have that in color. Like, we've been so stupid. Like, you can walk into a color, uh, uh, a room that's just completely red and have a way different uh, sense, like, experience than walking into a room that's uh, green, you know? And so... Uh, yeah, I'll be like, why are the homeowners so tacky that they've colored this entire room red? <laughs> Do you have any red rooms in your house? No. Like, good. I mean, Zion's room is... Uh, that cedar. It, yeah, it was, pretty, it was already like that, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, feel free to interact with this. You think you think about the way that uh, we're commanded to worship in the Bible. Okay. And all of it is word-centered and then, uh, you know, instrumental. Everything, all the commands from God aren't, you know, paint this painting, you know, this or that. It's, you know, sing unto the Lord, worship God with the, with the harp and the lyre and the cymbal. Well, and that's, so that's the segue. Well, not I'm not cutting you off, but that relates yes, you to are. no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not saying don't talk about this. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it it it's going to attach to our next episode, right? Because he know, doesn't you, say paint in church. He right. says sing in church. But when you, when you think about you know, what we started with, everything is either sacred or sacrilege. Yeah. You think about the way that God made the world. Uh, you know, why do these things do what they do? That's as, I'm not saying this isn't necessarily an answer to the question, but I think it. It shows that there's an objective difference in those things. That's the, in the way that God made the world. Those are the things that do stir us up. Uh, music is what stirs us up, uh, and we haven't we haven't gotten into word at all. And so I will I'll leave that on the yeah. table for for another one. But even just musically, uh, when God commands worship, there there are a lot of instruments involved in you know you and read, not painting right, and so. Objectively, I think there's there's just something there because we're not Greek yeah. Orthodox. We don't have icons, right? You right, know, but, and but that's what people. We're so people. Weird. We're a people of the word. We're not a people. You yeah. know, we don't behold. You know, you listen to Owen talk about. You read Owen talking about what it means to worship. Oh, well, we worship by we worship by faith. We behold Christ. We behold yeah. God in the face of Jesus Christ, and all of that is by faith, by the word, and and not by sight. So we're not a sight-driven people in our heart of hearts. We're not. A, we're made in the image of God, and so we're not a sight-driven people. We're a word-driven people, uh, and that word, uh, auditory, is auditory. And then mm-hmm. the things that God accompanies that word with are auditory. instruments, auditory. 
and yeah, and uh, and both are yeah they they make something in me immaterially something di- it differently than a painting ever could right which it, it's just I find it odd what's happening there what's this immaterial what what's this thing that I can create in the physical realm that creates external from me an immaterial reality that somehow gets into me and creates an immaterial reality you know what I'm saying yeah that's yeah it's it's kind of like this magic that doesn't exist with a painting because I can in the physical realm do things that create immaterial reality not even sound waves I'm not talking about that not that's not what I mean by immaterial but you know what I mean like yeah. the immaterial uh, that accompanies the physical sound waves and somehow it gets into me and then creates something in me yeah and and you know to the your tempo point uh, like bagpipes aren't necessarily high tempo but they make me want to go charge Charles's dragoons Right, there's, Where, a, there's, but an epic, there's an epic. Doesn't ep- do that. There's an epicness to it. But yeah. I, I, what makes I would, it an epic? What yeah, makes but I would epic? say it, it. It is also. It's probably not necessarily the bagpipes in it of themselves, but it's the melody that the bagpipes. Because uh, to the I don't point know, that you, you do made, it with a flute, and it wouldn't be that. Well, impressive. so no, just the the point that you made earlier. It's just there. There are certain melodies. There are certain tempos that drive uh, a sensory experience. And you know uh, an immaterial uh, perception uh, and reality that that we have, and uh, that's different than so a, a particular bag, bagpipe melody would uh, lead you uh, either to more you know uh, charge more fully, or uh, you know perhaps you know if we need to like the UFC fighter. <laughs> you know, think more gingerly, uh, or more, you know, uh, succinctly or more sharply. Uh, and so it's like, there is a express purpose given to a melody to where the natural man listening to that melody would, and, or let's say to natural men, a population would all probably do the same thing because there's something intrinsic to the melody. And, and I think that's, that, that's that same reality though not equal, because I do believe auditory um, is uh, it is unique compared to visual. But I think there is a reason why the sky, like God created the sky blue and not red. God, so there's this, God, God had a purpose behind all that he created. And, uh, and I think, um, I, I think the same thing could be said, of particular melodies and how they're arranged together, you know, for the, the sake of, um, it's the same as the blueness of the sky. I I, I think, yeah, there is a, I, I would, I wouldn't, as I'm thinking about it and as we're talking, I, I do think, yeah, there probably is just this, uh, there is a reason why it, it is true that a population would look at red differently than they would look at green. Uh, and, and, proceed differently from that emotionally physically all of that and and the same with tempo the same with melody what's uh what makes some music masculine some music feminine is it a product of um aggression and softness or what do you think goes with that like if you walked in the room and you heard me listening to some things you would like 
you have a chuckle. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? What 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 do you think's going on there? Well, I mean, so certain things are inherently masculine, inherently feminine, and those things are true. Like, even thinking about, this is a side point, but even thinking about what you were just mentioning, it, I don't think it's overly simplistic to just say, you know, you have if you have inherent beauty and you're beholding inherent beauty, uh, the reason it's inherently beautiful or what, you know, what is the standard of beauty? Well, God is a standard of beauty. And so what's happening there in terms of the immaterial, like what is... What's what's causing that stirring emotion that's hard to explain inside of you with certain music? Well, it's it's uh, it's glorifying to God. It's pointing to some reality in Him, and so that's pulling you outside of yourself, uh, causing you to behold something glorious, and yep. you know, showing something in God. And so, I mean, with with masculine, feminine, I think the same type of thing could be said. Uh, a certain music is uh, stirring something up in you that ought to be stirred up. And so if a certain music is uh, in one way or another, you know, (laughs) stirring something up in you that ought not to be stirred up in you, uh, softness. um, If we're talking about lyrics, you know, some type of... uh, glorification of um, effeminate things that I think that that would be well I I also just think it, it's no it's no accident that uh, I mean you're just speaking to the complementary nature of uh, oh, everything like color there's a reason why my daughter like most women like different colors than most men there's a reason why uh, women like certain melodies and uh, than men. Like, yeah, but God, like what about that shows... melody? Is, you know, like if if you made me sing a melody, right? Yeah. Let's say in church. Uh huh. Even if you led it and didn't have a girl lead it, uh huh. I would still be there giggling with my buddy. Like Ronnie's having me sing a gay song. <laughs> There's something about it, and I might even affirm all the words. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, and I agree with you. Like the pink blue thing you're talking about. So, what about that melody? What about that arrangement's pink? What? Where's the pinkness in that? What? What? What is being seen by me as pink? Recognized by me as gay? Help me understand that. Yeah, I. For me, I just I I think there is. I think it points uh, to the uh, to the diversity that God has created uh, in in the world, and I know you hate the word diversity. Oh, you just blew it. I, I keep letting my cigar get out because I'm a chump. Well, you talked for a long time. Uh, I'm gay, and and I um and available, per, and I. Uh, man. <laughs> so r- right away, I my my first question is I don't know perhaps. <laughs> that uh for for me i for me it, it just makes me uh stand in wonder uh at the fact uh that god did create uh diversity uh in this world um and that that 
that reality spits on the, an egalitarian framework uh, all from uh, all the way up and all the way down from the from the melodies that we appreciate to the colors uh, that we come to love like there is just such a so it's like I I don't know the purpose in that other than uh, it is nat it is natural uh, that uh, men like these colors men like these melodies men like these things and the thing that that points to is God's work in created them you think, you think some melodies you know so we're not bringing in the lyrics you think some melodies uh, quote unquote talk about uh, emotions more in the way they are and some melodies drive action talk about action talk about mission in the way that they are or so some melodies are driving and some are hugging like eskimo kissing well yeah Is that what's happening? so there's yeah. a way and this it's hard to not touch on lyrics but it's like yeah you know there's things where to, yeah. yeah there's there's a like some arrangements of a psalm might be gay versus right but the, but you have to be careful because you're you look at the psalter okay. and you have you have this huge diversity and what you ought to be yeah, singing yeah, about God, about that, yeah. you know. So you have like yeah. you have very contemplative psalms right. that uh, if you're way too quick quick on the trigger, you're gonna be like, oh, that's gay. And it's like, dude, that's a psalm. Like, you, there's songs where we ought to just meditate on the love of God for us, and it's not necessarily gonna drive us to a ton of action because sometimes we're just we ought just ought to contemplate the grace and mercy of God and leave it at that. And we have to, we have to have songs like that, and so. That still should stir up. There's a way to do that masculine. Right. There's that should still should stir up masculine things in you. So it's even it, in the melody. For me, and this is just probably a deficiency on my part. It's hard for me to evaluate that without like a specific case study. Yeah. You know, if we like broke down a song and looked at that, it might be a little bit easier to put your thumb or your finger on exactly what it is about this song or that that makes it feminine versus masculine. Uh, but I think I think anytime you're driven away from. And again, it's hard to not go into lyrics, but anytime you're driven away from very word centered songs, uh, you know, if you get into a lot of like oohs and ahs in a song, for example, you can have rich lyrics surrounding the oohs and ahs, but it's hard to, you know, where are the ooze at in that <sighs> song. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so like those things that again, Who getting into lyrics a little bit, out? but that's, but that's just kind of like the tight, the, the genre of song. When you get into those things, it's very easy to be like, dude, this is not. I'm no longer focused on th these things that may be to my personality. Cause you know, personalities, people are going to just enjoy certain songs more. You know, yeah. we sang the son yeah. of God goes forth to war tonight. And that's a very lyrically rich song, a very mission driven song. But then, you know, we sing Psalm eight yeah, and we sing Psalm eight and all, you know, Oh Lord, our Lord, how, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And we're just, you're focused there. Uh, you're focused on his name being just sung by, you know, the birds in the sky, the, the beasts in the sea, the beasts in the field. And that's just going to be fundamentally a different type of song. So we need to be able to sing all those songs, and then we need to be able to do so. I mean, a lot of those songs we're singing congregationally, which means men and women are singing them. Uh, but but it's helpful to bring up, the reason it's helpful to bring up like Psalm 8, for example, it's it's contemplative, and you agree with me that contemplation 
isn't feminine. Correct. Because, uh, so my dad would, uh, he would say it in jest, but it was part of his worldview. He would say things like, you know, get in touch with your feminine side. You know, and the, the counter to that from like guys like Paul Washer is if you ever get in touch with your feminine side, make sure to kill it. Right? Because as a guy, I don't have a feminine side, certainly not supposed to have one, but I don't have a feminine side. I might have catamitic sides within me. I right. might have bitchy sides within me, right. but I'm, I'm a man. Right. I'm not a male-female blend. So I have to be able to wholly contemplate anything in the Bible that I'm commanded to contemplate, I'm commanded to contemplate masculinely. So the, the lyrics then neutralize. It, it's not a matter of contemplative lyrics. Right. Right. That's helpful because it, it takes it off the board because uh, now a guy and a girl are commanded to do the same thing. But the assumption is she can do that fully as a woman. I can do it fully as a man without getting in touch with my feminine side or her getting in touch with her masculine side. But the – you know, so back to the melody, uh, some melodies are exp- – uh, They seem to be, I'll just say it like that, they, they seem to be contemplatively feminine and not contemplatively masculine, even um, though a group, so in language, a group with, with mixed sex is masculine. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So a group singing a melody as a group with mixed sex is supposed to sing a masculine melody because it's a masculine group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it brings me back to my question of, uh, I don't, I don't understand what's going. I can. It's almost so, like that senator got, who says, "I don't know what porn is, but I, I know it when I see it." I got, I got something on okay. that. So, <laughs> again, uh, you know, a lot of this is shooting from the hip, but if you're pretty close, then shooting from the hip's not that hard. Senator Maz, baby. Yeah. You know, I think maybe one thing to evaluate is look at the type of song you're singing and see if the melody is appropriate to that type of song. Yes. So, you know, yeah. we, Dave and I laugh. There's a, a group that I actually really like some of their songs. Uh, Poor Bishop Hooper. Uh-huh. Have you heard of them? talking about their Psalm 2. Yeah, so they have a, they have a, <laughs> yeah. they have a version of Psalm 2 that's, I love that's it too. Yeah, yeah. kind of gay because it's like, it's just like, ah, like, that's not how you sing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's bringing this feminineness to this song of like, that's not a contemplative psalm. And so you want to uh, you want to sing a psalm like that contemplatively? It's like that's wrong, that's objectively wrong, and it, it is a feminine thing. You have a, a female singing it, dash them to pieces, dash them to pieces, crush them with a rod of iron. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> dash them yeah. to pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great refrain. No, that's a war song. Grind them metal. That's to one dust. of the songs. You know, we don't sing Psalm twenty three outside of Planned Parenthood for a reason. Uh-huh. Now that song ought to be sung, and if you're not going to sing that psalm in your church out of principle, then you're in sin. Yeah, well, yeah. You you need to sing that. It's a glorious song. You know, that's a that's, yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, that's a song we're going to sing. <laughs> oh, I love that song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> twenty three. They were talking about twenty three, right? Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> no, we're you know we we need to be singing that in church, and that's going to feed us, and it keeps us well rounded to be singing all those. We don't need to be singing Psalm fifty eight every Bible study. Yeah, exclusively. You know, you're, you're singing about, you know, God uh, blinding his enemies as stillborn babes. First of all, you, you better sing that. That's the word of God. 
So but, there's a context for it. It's the Old but Testament. You, yep. But you look at, oh, I should have known. Yeah. I thought the Psalms were in the New Testament. It's always it's, <laughs> it's it confusing it because off. it's confusing because you get the little Bibles has the whole New Testament, and then Psalms and Proverbs. Hey, don't so be how am I supposed to know? Yeah. Don't how be knocking the Gideon. How am I supposed to know that that's in the Old Testament when they just produce it with my New <laughs> Testament over and over? <laughs> but uh, you know, you have you look at the lineup of songs we sing at Planned Parenthood, and they're a, ty- a specific genre, and then we sing them a specific way. Mm-hmm. We sing Psalm fifty eight out there. We sing Psalm two out there. And that doesn't mean they don't have a context in church, but they really have a context on the battlefield. And they're, they're battlefield songs, battlefield psalms, and so we should sing them as if we're on the battlefield, as if yep. we're going to, to war against mm-hmm. the enemies of God. So this doesn't necessarily answer the question in total, but one thing to evaluate is, okay, we're singing a certain type of song, yep. and does that type of song uh, correlate well with the melody in which we're singing it? Yes. And I think you're yep. going to see an effeminacy with any time you have uh, basically a level of contemplation and a level of softness to uh, take out the word softness. You have a level of like contemplativeness and like kind of taking a step back and taking the whole thing in, right? Because that's kind of what we're doing in like something like Psalm 8. We're taking the whole thing in. Yeah. So that doesn't mean softness. How do we... I sing contemplatively not softly? You know what I mean? How do, how do I get a contemplative melody that doesn't feel gay to sing. Well, just don't be gay when you do it. Well, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's particularly Which hard is ironic for you. We're talking about softness. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Because I don't want to say contemplative equals feminine. Now it would be it would well, be just a feminization. Own, it, own of, it and recognize what it's what it's supposed to stir up in you. Uh, so if it's if it's stirring up the wrong things in you, that just might be a personal problem. You well, need certainly, to, I'm bringing a lot of you know what I mean. Table. You might just need to deal with that. Yeah. Um, so, so I think part of it is just in your approach. What would be an yeah. example of a melody to a song that you think is contemplative and not gay? Uh, I mean, we sing Psalm 8 in Bible study and I don't feel any kind of... Yeah, what would be, okay, what would be contemplative and gay? Uh, of a contemplative song? Because I, I mean, I referenced yes. Psalm 2, okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it's supposed to be oh. contemplative, but the melody's gay. Um... I is mean, it literally yeah, just a matter of know. does a girl lead the song or a guy? Well, that he, well, that's a whole different conversation. But it kind of helps, right? Because if you yeah, have it certainly so helps. So ten thousand reasons. Sorry, I like to make fun of the song, but theoretically, you can sing that song and not be queer. But uh-huh. it's hard to do if a girl's leading it because she's going to lead it like a girl. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at like oceans or any of that hot garbage. Well, yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't. well, it's hard. Yeah, to, yeah. I mean, one. I, You're right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that. That stuff is like contemplative and gay. Yeah, it's contemplative and gay. Okay, it's cool. a very. It's just a layup for like. I don't. I honestly because we. And we just don't sing a lot of like yeah, yeah. contemplative and gay songs. So when I think of that, I think I know. Of, I think I'm helping because so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the, of the biggest one I'm even trying to ask. So yeah. it's not helpful. I mean, I'm thinking of one like we sing, um, but I wouldn't call it gay. We just sing in tenderness. He sought me weary and sick with sin. And uh, citizens used to have that ba 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 in tenderness. He sought me weary and sick with sin. It was almost like this like. Uh, charge, like, let's go for it, and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. and, and it's like, dude, th- there are the lyrics uh, of that song, uh, you know, and the way Sing Team sings those lyrics yeah. are are very kind of, uh, they're, they're just unique. They're different. Right. Can you and, sample that? Uh, I'm more familiar with Citizens. What's Sing Team sound like? Uh, they're they're a little bit uh they're they're more back. It's choral. There's string arrangements, and they slowed it way down. And it's like 
In tenderness he sought okay. me. And it's a lot slower. Yeah, yeah. Huge pause where yeah. he's kind of like thinking about it. Weary and sick That's what we with sing. sin. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, yeah, so we're singing it tomorrow. And uh, and uh, I, for me, I actually do. So I, I know we're not getting into conviction about, you know, women leading. I, next, guys, next episode. Next, next episode. episode. But um, I, I'm going to have Alicia actually sing the melody of that song. And there's a sweetness to the way she sings it that I think is compatible with the lyrics. And I'm not going to have her sing, uh, you know, uh, Psalm 18, uh, the, uh, I will not be afraid, you know, Mm -hmm. there's just, there is a uniqueness to the melody, uh, with an intention. So we're saying, uh, God has created all things and all things are for his glory. And I think there's a purpose to the color he puts in the sky. There's a purpose to the melody that he puts in our hearts. Right. And certain melodies will cause men that that their that their nature and their responsibility is to protect. uh, And those men in protecting the songs that are going to spur them on towards that that fight, that war, that uh, that reality are going to be different. And and so there, I think there is an intention of songs with words that also have an intention behind them. Like the, there are uh, lyrics that we sing that the intention, you know, um, the imprecatory psalms, mm-hmm. like very, very intentional words that have sh- should have very intentional music. Like even I think of some things like uh, as the deer pants for water. If your song doesn't have this pants, pants- is underwear in uh, in Britain. <laughs> So anytime we would sing that song in Scotland, like I look around and for sure any of the young people laughing, <laughs> or as the deer pants, everyone shouts pants. <laughs> yeah, we said pants when we were singing to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I have a really bad story. So I was a a, a missionary in Italy, and uh, I I went over there, and and so I learned Spanish here, and there's a Latin base to it, and so I was trying to convert the Latin to Italian. And so, naturally, yeah, we were we were at the table and talking about food and what we like. <laughs> okay, somebody smart. I was trying to translate from Latin, not even from well, English. Well, you, you would just you would pick up these little phrases. Of and, course, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's what so I do all the time. It, they ask, you know, what desserts do you like? And I tried to speak in Italian, so I knew I like cannoli. <laughs> and, and, and I love cheesecake, so I said, "I uh, mi piace la torta." And then I was thinking, okay, frick, I don't know the Italian words for cheese. It's formaggio. Everybody knows that word uh, for cheese, but I didn't. And so Everybody. I thought the, the, the Spanish uh, is in like pizza. Uh, <laughs> it's like Italian pizza, formaggio. Uh, so I, I said queso, which is cheese in uh, Spanish. I knew that one. And, uh, and so I like, uh, mi piace la torta de queso. And all of the Italians were like, and in Italian, queso is wiener. That's amazing. What's the chance? Give me the cake with the wiener. Where do you think you are, sir? I love the this cake a, with the wiener. This is a fine yep. establishment. We do not offer that here. Send me more of those American missionaries. Yes, please. That's gay. So, oh. Sorry, that was a big tangent. But... But I think, yeah, I think that to, to what we're talking about, um, 
music has intention even within the melodies and and that attention i think has to purpose or to to coincide um or be united with the lyric and if it's not it's uh it, it should either be rewritten or not sung at all i've got a lot more questions mainly from my own ignorance of music but we're going to cut off this conversation here uh thanks for listening in Ronnie, thanks for talking music, music theory with us tonight. Until next time, go with God. Cross me low.